Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Happy Tuesday. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Joe Pizapia here with you on Sports Grid. Hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend. Hope you enjoyed our shows over the weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Bish. As you see below, you can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia17. At Sports Grid is how you follow us. It was an interesting weekend, interesting Memorial Day weekend. Uh, lots of rain, unfortunately, for me here in South Florida. Joe, how was your uh, Memorial Day weekend? How'd you spend it? Ironically, not raining, at least on Sunday and Monday. Beautiful days there. Uh, did go outside. or finishing up a project with the kids outside. We're redoing the outdoor area as the staycation house now because, uh, frankly, we're not going on vacation this year. That has already been uh, solidified. So uh, they put a lot of work in. I'm very proud of the uh, the little girls there. They did a great job there. So uh, we're going to have a nice little outdoor area. It's getting warmer. We're getting closer to the pool, but we were able to get outside and spend most of the day uh, two days really outside and hanging out, did a little movie night, you know, in honor of Memorial Day, watched uh, Captain America Civil War at night too, you know, honoring Captain America as we should. And uh, overall pretty good. How about you? You guys get out at all or just rain kept you inside more? This has been the most rain in South Florida in a long time. I don't know what's going wow. on. So yeah, That's not saying a lot because you get rains once a day, right? <laughs> yeah, but like really this weekend was just, it was just crazy. Just constant rain. I mean, Saturday was open for a little bit. So we went over to our in-laws house and played a little backyard catch. Uh, you know, other than that, not really, you know, all, all kind of uneventful, just following the news and Mm-hmm. watching TV, catching up on YouTube, exercising. I mean, it's, it's just a routine at this point, Joe. I can't I can't sit here and say that other than watching a little bit of golf on Sunday and just kind of paying attention to how the news flow is going. I mean, I feel like this week is going to be a week where we're going to have some epic announcements in all the major sports and, and hopefully a lot of fresh news to give to you guys. But we are stark in the middle here of a three-month lockdown basically and so that's kind of where it stands right now yeah it, it does feel like we're on the precipice though the old nba deal talking about the walt disney group down there in orlando that's certainly starting to seem encouraging i know we talked about that over the weekend and it it just it feels like we're just kind of like slowly climbing out it's a very slow tedious crawl uh there are some other good sports documentaries coming i saw espn drop the 30 for 30 part one of lance armstrong which yeah. I'm kind of fascinated to take a look at. Haven't got into it yet, but certainly will give my review here on the show when I do. I don't know if you're going to peel into that. How do you feel about the 30 for 30 on Lance? You I mean, I, I'll probably end up watching it, but it's not like must-see TV for me. I don't, I don't think it's kind of curious called. what he has to say about everything. And, you know, it's it was very, very... Um, it's funny because we get this. We get the heroes and then we tear them down and then we, you know, and sometimes they tear themselves down. I mean, it's a double-edged sword i guess in that way sometimes so it's always fascinating in this country we kind of love that and then we love to forgive eventually and we love the comeback and all that so i don't know if this is his chance at coming back into public life i don't know but it'll be fascinating to see but what did you think of the uh the golf game this weekend since we're uh, already chatted about that did you uh did you wager on it did you have any fun there or you just uh just I, I don't I don't make bets that I don't think I have a really good chance of winning. So the, my, the amount of bets that I'll make over the course of the year is not a lot, but mm-hmm. I'll participate. I mean, the, the primary bets that I make is they're very big bets over a period of time as opposed to staggering it out. I mean, very right. big for me, I guess. I mean, I don't I, you know, some people will bet five thousand dollars on games. I'm not one of those people, but I would make a five thousand dollar bet on something. But that would carry me out. So, like, essentially the uh, Super Contest, which I know that FanDuel is trying to get started, actually. It was, we, uh, me and Mike Cardano were talking about that last week. But um, the uh, in Las Vegas, the Westgate Resort, they have the most popular betting contest in the country and the most prestigious. It basically proves who knows what as far as sports wagering over the course of the season. And each week it is picking five teams against the spread. And you go on a spreadsheet, you go in a record book, your name is there. It shows how you do every single week. And I've been doing this now for about four or five years. It's thousands of dollars to enter. Mm -hmm. So uh, Howard Bender and I split that. 
and we right. go into super contest every single year. And then Tuesday night, we talk about the lines, and then Friday night, we make our picks. Um, on top of that, the Golden Nugget has their own football contest in Las Vegas. That's another grand. And we put that up. Howard Bender and I split that at the beginning of the year. And, and it's seven games, but you can pick any college games you want. So oh, we, we're involved in that one as well. Uh, so, so over the course of the year, there will be very few individual game bets that I will make. But I feel like my money is well spent over the course of the season uh, on that and on futures bets, too, last year with the Dolphins and this year with the Giants. And I also made one uh, other baseball futures bet that I'll now have to take back, another significant one, which was I bet uh, Zach Gallen's uh, win total on the over. And now I'm going to have to get that back as well. That was the only baseball bet that I made in uh, – I think it was late February, early March. So um, I'm very willing to put down the big bucks, Joe. It's just I feel like anything can happen in one game. I don't think it really. Well, I think it's not. Up, I mean, you know? the long when you're doing it over a full season, it's almost feels like a fantasy league. <laughs> you know, like you're picking games every week, and it's yeah. And it's I want to raise the prices yeah. in the fantasy leagues too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in my in my home league. We've went from 100 to 150 to 200 to 250. Uh, I think we're just kind of like stuck there in my football league. No one wants to go higher. And I told the guys in baseball, look, we're, we're raising it every single year at this point. I mean, if you can't afford 250 or $300 in this time, maybe a little bit different. And I don't know that we'll go to that this year, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's over a six month period. And so no, it's a long time. It's a lot of commitments, a lot of hours to do baseball and it, to fantasy baseball is a, uh, Every day, all consuming sort of thing. And that's what some people love about and other people get turned off. But uh, I can definitely understand where you're coming from on that because I'm with you. It's very difficult in these expert leagues where there's not a belt or a trophy or a bobblehead or something. I don't know to kind of keep your interest unless you just have rage and vengeance to try to beat someone in particular, which sometimes I have. But I think you kind of need something to keep you going in some of these baseball leagues sometimes because – it is very difficult when you cover multiple sports and when you start rolling into July and August, like your attention starts to wane a little bit and start thinking about football. And uh, that's usually where a lot larger investments are, at least for me on my end. But um, look, you know, it, it was good this weekend that we had sports. We had the, the golf tournament. That was fun. Great job by those guys. $20 million, Craig. That is a lot of money. Good job by Capital One and the sponsors and everybody else in front of this thing. Did you find it entertaining? Did you like the yeah, setup. Do you good. think you're going to see more of this in the future? Sometimes when things go through, you know, I, I don't. I don't know that when real sports comes back that this is something that we'll see a lot. But I think that for the idea that the premise of basically donating money in a time where a lot of people need it, I thought it was great. And yeah, there were some funny moments throughout. Um, I, I think probably the one moment that caught me the most was was when um, was when Brady said something about uh, uh, Peyton not winning. They haven't won anything since you left like uh, telling uh, Peyton Manning since that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, and I'm just still unclear as to whether or not he was being serious or that was a joke. I'm just not, I'm just not sure. I mean, I think he was serious. Well, but, all, the, all the best humor always has a little bit of uh, truth to it, doesn't it? But I don't, but there is no truth to that because they won the championship the second that, that uh, Peyton Manning left Tennessee. They won the following <laughs> year. So I, I was thinking maybe he did it to stick it to him. But then I, I kept watching back, and it seemed like he oh, maybe he just really, didn't realize it. Uh, he, maybe he just didn't realize it. I mean, I mean, Peyton Manning was really good at Tennessee. He was talking about Tennessee. They weren't in a conversation about uh, about Denver or, or no, Indianapolis. No, it was Tennessee. Okay. Oh, it was Tennessee. Tennessee. They were doing a Tennessee-Michigan conversation, ah. and he basically said, well, they haven't won anything since you left. And literally, Peyton Manning won nothing at Tennessee. Peyton Manning lost to Florida four years in a row. Uh, he didn't say the they won right after you left, right? They didn't say that either, did they? Uh, he didn't say any. I, I don't know if okay. he was being serious or if he was kidding. I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, it's... Uh, but that was the one. I'm like, eh. Wait, did, he, <laughs> did he really not know that T. Martin took over and they ripped the, the shreds of T. Martin? They thought oh, it was a T. Martin. T. Martin. Another and they won the, the uh, whole thing. Another one of the Brady Six, one of the six guys taken ahead of Tom Brady in the 2001 draft. So and, got and, and as he should have, he won the championship. Hey, <laughs> can't, can't go wrong there, right? Theoretically, you can't go wrong with T. Martin. Hey, look, T. Martin was great at Tennessee. I don't hey. know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah, things happen like that. You have those moments. Uh, so that was a moment for me that I wasn't sure. But yeah. other than that, I thought it was very funny. But I, but that was like my little takeaway from it. Oh, no, sure. Yeah. Wondering if Brady actually didn't realize, because this is the same Tom Brady that walked into somebody's house that was a total random person too. So, you know, 
Maybe I guess I, when you're Tom Brady, you kind of live a charmed life and you can say and do things that most other people can't yeah, get away with. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's the, the perks of being Tom Brady. Good news also, Patrick Ewing out of the hospital. So uh so that's that's good news. That's a very quick turnaround. I feel like we had just kind of dropped that story on the weekend. So that's what yeah, like quick. a 40 in hour turnaround. That's like that's in good. Out, get in and out yeah. COVID. Well, you're in, I think, you're out, that's it. <laughs> well, but I, I think that's encouraging too, because it's also speaking to where the levels are in terms of people getting accessible treatment, which is good. And I know Patrick Ewing's a little higher on the trough because he's a celebrity, little. and you know I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, well, so is Tom Hanks, and so is all you know other people like that. But you know, there's been other people who are celebrities that you know unfortunately did not get such attention. So it's good news for Patrick Ewing and his family. That's good to see, and also I think good news from the medical community as well that things are starting to lighten up a little bit, at least in that sense. So just uh, I'm. I'm trying to trying to think positive. I know Japanese baseball is coming back too. I did see that. Yeah, I know like Brett put it uh, yeah. to us as well to mention that today. So that's coming back in June. So maybe the NBA, maybe the NHL, Japanese baseball on the way. We got foursomes playing golf. We got lots of things happening. Maybe just maybe fantasy sports today. It's going to be the hottest show on Sports Grid sooner than later. Just say I doubt that. Be. I doubt that. But I will say this: March was horrible. Uh, April, April was worse. March was hard. Uh, May, May, we're, I feel like we're turning the corner a little That's bit. And I'm I hope, showed up in May. That's and I'm what hope, yeah, that was what I was thinking exactly. Hey, and look. I'm hoping that June is better than March, April, and May all combined. I'm, what did I'm, you I'm send hoping. to acquire me, by the way? I was, it was a cash considerations, player to be named later, uh, memorabilia to be named later. Ken Phelps. Yeah. Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps in a, in a minor leaguer. Is that, that was, you know, Ken Phelps, by the way. Nice glasses. I miss when the guys used to wear like glass. Like that was the one thing about eighties baseball. I kind of miss too, is they used to wear just regular glasses. Like it weren't sports glasses or things like that. They were the same glasses that somebody would just be wearing. If you know, you went to Staples to see the guy in aisle six about printers, same exact glasses. I miss that. There's something, uh, there's some beautiful, beautiful baseball cards of back in the eighties of guys wearing just glasses. And I, you know, Chris Sabo, that was the first guy I remember that kind of revolutionized. That's the first the one that comes guy. to most people's mind in it the did. 80s. And then we got the goggles, you got the uh, you got the Oakleys and all the other things that kind of took over. Did you wear Oakleys when you played ball? I know uh, I did when I was a teenager because I thought they no, were cool. I don't th I don't really think so. No. No. Did no. you miss out on the Oakley craze when you were a little bit older? I, think Is that I had a pair at one point, but I, I don't remember like getting sports ones to play with. No. Well, not like to like I just had like cool guys. I had a pair of them. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. had a pair. Cool guy. Like, like it's like saying, did you have a swatch watch? Of course you did. I did not have a swatch watch, but I did have Oakley. So oh, I'm late. Look there. at that. There Sorry, bro. <laughs> a little bit before your time, maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll come back. It's this day in fantasy sports and fantasy sports birthdays. We're off and running here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe will be right back. Also, don't forget to follow us again on Twitter at Sports Grid. We'll be back right now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Today's May 26, 2020. Welcome back to SportsGrid. Craig, Joe, it is this day in fantasy sports. And this day in fantasy sports birthdays, I made the mistake last week of asking Joe what he would remember most about uh, May 23rd or 2nd or one of those days last week. I'm not going to make that same mistake twice today, Joe. Oh, no, no. Well, we can. We I can. I don't care what happened to no, you. No, you do, because it actually involves you and I. This is one of the things. I know you don't have Facebook, so I couldn't tag you in this. But this was Facebook. actually a very special day in sports. Five years ago, well, in our sports world, you and I, Five years ago was the first time Joe Pizzupia personally got paid for doing a radio show on national satellite radio with wow, his good friend Craig Mish. Well, really, because Craig Mish basically, uh, I don't know why he's a glutton for punishment, I guess. I don't know what his problem is. He clearly has some sort of weird abusive thing where he likes to have me around and torture himself. But just to punch you around? Uh, maybe. Maybe I'm just a punching bag for you. Whatever it is, that's fine. But this is our that was our five year anniversary. 2015 was the first show we did together. 
that I actually received a paycheck for. I had worked for was free. Was it a weekday for, show or a weekend show? It was a weekend show. It was a Sunday afternoon baseball show. I used to work every Sunday. I know. And you used to hate that because you hated doing the show alone. And you said, I'm not doing I it anymore. I did. I was miserable. It so. Was miserable. You know what? You know what? It, was, it wasn't miserable in February and March and even April. It got miserable in the summer doing three hours by yourself. Well, this was in... Well, we had been doing it the was, show, and that was the whole it thing. Was, it, was, it was rough, yeah. And rough. I remember I would come on with you, and I was doing – at the time, I was actually doing Black Book on Saturdays, on Saturday nights from 10 to 1. And, again, just, just trying to get experience, just trying to figure it out, and that started a few yeah. years before that. Well, and listen, then, you can't spend your whole life sword fighting, you know? Well, I mean, I can, but, like, my body's starting to break down, you know, knees and feet and things like that. You know, it's... That's what I'm saying. You can't spend your whole life... Can I I know. Like, my sword fighting teacher was, oh, God, in his 60s when he finally just retired recently. I think he just turned 60. I don't want knee replacement like him. He had the knee replacement. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I just take this abuse instead... But I digress. Happy anniversary, Craig Mish. So oh, thank you. Very it was, much. Happy I'm trying to I'm trying to spin it back for you because last week was was awkward and funny. This, you know, a little bit better, better memory. So there you yeah. go. Much better for sure. Look at that. All right. So what happened in May 26th in sports history? Let's get to it. 1981, Julius Irving named the NBA MVP. He's the first player at this point in the history uh, of basketball to be named the MVP of the ABA and the NBA. So really interesting uh, note there. Uh, 1993, Carlos Martinez, not the one on the Cardinals. There was a player uh, that was named Carlos Martinez, I believe, on the White Sox. Uh, and it's also his birthday today, ironically. He won't be in the birthdays, but weird that it happened on his You're birthday. You're not mentioning him twice. Screw him. It's so strange. <laughs> he hits a home run, and people remember this video. It goes off the head of Jose Canseco and then goes over the fence. Of all of the bloopers in the history of baseball— I don't know if this is number one, Joe, but it certainly is near the top. It's Got up there. It. Randy Johnson killing the bird, I think, is always number one for me because that's just – that's the yeah. most insane thing ever. The timing of everything in the universe boiling down to that half a second where everything is in that universe at the same time and that can happen. And it being that, Randy Johnson, And by it the being way. Randy Johnson, right, and not Tim Wakefield or somebody like that, right? It's Randy Johnson, that poor bro- – although maybe it was better for the bird. He got put out of his misery very quickly. Maybe if it was somebody, you know – I don't think softer. he talks about that. He won't talk about no. it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's an animal rights guy. I don't know. But I, I love the Jose Canseco. And one of the best parts about this is his reaction afterward of he kind of knew what happened. And he kind of was just kind of looking around and shrugging it off. But then the announcers trying to recover, because I think if memory serves, the color announcer, not the play-by-play guy, kind of lost track and said, well, wait, wait a minute. Did, did it hit him? And he was asking right. the question. And then they find the replay and – you know, imagine this without the replay. We weren't in the day and age of replay, but luckily we had it then. And oh my goodness, just you can watch it over and over and over again. And look, when you have a giant head from all those steroids, it's a more of a hazard when fly balls are coming at you. And for and for it to be cons- another situation where for it to be Conseco makes it even that much. Oh, yeah, it's, it's classic. I, I think actually the number one all time is is uh, Rodney McRae running through the wall. That that may have topped them all. <laughs> that is a good. But that was in the minor leagues though. Still. Still a great. That, no that, that video is the one that that really sticks in my mind. But but look, Randy Johnson's for sure is, is up there. Uh, 1997, we moved to Sammy Sosa, Tony Womack, both hitting inside the park home runs in the same inning. Now that's not something that you see very day, very often, Joe. If I was an announcer, my announcer voice, I would say, yeah, no, I I don't even remember this happening. So yeah, uh, I was just actually was watching the Seinfeld this morning when I'm having breakfast when the. Uh, it was the one where he promised uh, Paul O'Neill would hit two home runs for that kid. He was sick in the hospital, and one of them was uh, inside the park home run, And but it turned out the scorer said it was a triple and an error, and the kid said, no, it doesn't count, and then him and Craver fight, and eventually he rips the autograph out of his hand and runs away. Uh, it's more surprising Sammy Sosa the inside of the park than home run than Tony Womack. Tony Womack, that's kinda, that kind of plays into the, his style of baseball right there. Yeah. Sammy Sosa, yeah. a little surprising. It must have been uh, quite the ricochet off a wall, I can only imagine. 1999, Vince Carter named NBA Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, it's interesting now that the the documentary is over. It feels like everybody is commenting on it. And uh, Vince Carter was on a podcast, video podcast recently, just talking about that. And 
going over his greatest players in the NBA and certainly, um, you know, Vince Carter as of now still playing in the NBA. I'm not sure what will happen if his team will get to play anymore, but uh, one of the players with the longest tenure in the history of the league playing with the most teams. Who would have guessed that at the beginning of his career uh, in the history of the league? Amazing. 2015, the Cleveland Cavaliers win the Eastern Conference Finals. You, I, I'll give you 10. Yeah, I didn't want to put the team that they beat to get there because you will not guess it. To I, get I, to I the finals never, or to beat in the finals? Uh, they win the Eastern Conference Finals and they get to the NBA Finals. Okay. Oh, gosh. 2015, who was the team that they beat? It doesn't even matter. I never would have guessed this. Who was it? Atlanta? Oh, yeah, that's right. No, they, they did Atlanta. have that run that year. No. I don't uh, remember that true. at all. Uh, no, only until you said it. And then it, it jogged the old memory there. Again, 2015, I was too busy giving you everything that I had I guess early so. in our relationship. Now it's just old and stale. We're here every day together. It's not a Who special. the world was on the Atlanta Hawks to have them so good that year? Uh, four starters in the All-Star game, according to Brett Levy. Brett Atlanta Levy, Hawks. name the starting five of the Atlanta Hawks. You know he's feverishly typing. Al Millsap. Horford, I feel like, was on that team. <laughs> well, Millsap's on there. <laughs> That's one. Oh, uh, you, can, you can always sense when he gets very excited. George Teague, another one. Pal Corver. <laughs> Joe Johnson, I feel like he probably was on Atlanta. They had a run. Horford, yes, you are correct there with Horford. That's another one. This is fun. This is a this is like a price. Atlanta prices. Hawks got to the East Finals. What did that tell you about the East at the time? Oh, that must have been bad. <laughs> All right, and finally, 2016, the Boston Red Sox retire Wade Boggs' as number number 26. Now let's take a look at the date here. This is May 26, 2016. Ask yourself that question, Joe. What took them so long to retire? Higher Wade Boggs's number. Mm. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, well, especially because he retired, what, like around 2000-something or 2000, right? I mean, he had that little run in Tampa. When did that end? I know it was after 98, right? 2002? It was even that long? I don't even know. I remember 90. Look, he won the. They, they didn't, they had, the didn't have beef. They had like sort of beef with him because he went to the Yankees from Boston. Well, so he did get on that. I mean, look, he did. But at the same time, you can't get mad at him or Roger Clemens. Come if on, you're going to get rid of players and they win in other places, you can't hold a grudge against Johnny them. Damon. Same thing. I have a. I don't know. Was that a beef about that or was that a beef about not wearing a Red Sox hat in the Hall of Fame? Because that's still when the players had a choice. And if you recall, wasn't he. I don't know if he did. Yeah, but they overrode him on that. They didn't let him wear Tampa Bay. But I I think that's more where the beef comes from. It's like, hey, you were a Red Sox. I know you won with the Yankees, but you want to wear a Rays hat? He wanted to wear a Rays hat just because you lived in Florida. That's not good. I think Winfield wanted to do something similar. Well, because the Rays, they're not letting that. They they stopped all that now. They did, but I, like I said at the time, I I thought he actually got it done. I guess not. I guess he got overrode. Okay, that's good. Well, it should have been. I mean, Wade Boggs is a Red Sox. Let's be honest. That's what he is. He always should be. But, yes, absolutely one of the all-time great Red Sox. No doubt about it. Uh, When I was a kid, it was Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn. That's who you watched if you wanted to learn how to hit. I mean, everything that they did was just incredible. They were two. And, again, the two guys are not necessarily known for their power. They probably both could have hit more home runs in their career. But that wasn't their game. They were trying to hit line drives, trying to get hits. Trying to hit 200 hits in a season, trying to win batting titles. And right. I'd like to see people kind of go back to that. I think if anybody did, they could be incredibly successful again because I think the game is wide open for a player like that with that skill set. All right, this day in fantasy sports, birthdays for May 26th. Not the stellar list of, of people. No disrespect. I mean, right now, Greg Lloyd's mad at me for saying that. But look, the reality is, is that this is not the... The uh, the Hall of Fame star-studded cast that we have on this uh, on this day, but well, Greg and I are Facebook friends. You want me to message him and tell him that you know you're kind of saying it's he's not a big deal on his birthday because I don't think today, you want to meet him. Uh, today is his birthday. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yesterday I'm sorry, <laughs> the 26th. 26th. You're saying Greg Lloyd? Didn't you just say Greg Lloyd? Oh, I thought Greg Sussman. No, 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 Greg Lloyd. No, 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 no. Got Greg Sussman. I don't I know when Greg's were... birthday. No, I'm serious. Craig Lloyd and I are Facebook friends. <laughs> All right, so don't definitely don't tell him I said. I don't that. want you to think he's not a big deal. That's why I'm just. All right, he's a huge deal. Uh, 1947, Daryl Evans, really good player for a long time, first baseman, designated hitter, Braves, Tigers. Uh, I mean, really good player, All Star. 1955, Wesley Walker. Okay, well, I mean, there's a, a wide receiver on the Jets, probably Wesley the best Walker wide and receiver. Altoon, baby. That was a heck yeah, of a I mean, duo back in the is day. He their best receiver of all time, second best. Gosh, that's a good question. Can't be their best. Well, who was the best then? 
Is Don it Don Maynard. Don Maynard. Oh, Don Maynard. Yeah, okay. I guess so. Because, you know, it's funny. I mean, after those Ken O'Brien years, I'm trying to think of some of those other, I mean, even the Sanchez years. Who was the best wide receiver on the Jets? Wayne, Wayne Corbett, Keyshawn, those guys during that era, the Chad Pennington years. But that's definitely, I mean, Wesley Walker's in that conversation, man. He is. He definitely is. <laughs> Yeah, and that, All right, and so Arrow, they didn't throw the ball as much, too. So Right. Uh, 1965, Greg Lloyd, great player as well for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then 1981, Ben Zobris. Not sure what Zobris story is at this point. I think he's retired. He hasn't said one way or the other, uh, but unfortunately went through a very bad divorce and um, I think sat out the year most of last year, too. So kind of a weird ending, unfortunately, to Ben Zobris' career, but... Like ben I want to see you transition out of this one. <laughs> Go ahead, Craig Mish. Come on, bro. My transition is like Ben Zobrist, no matter what happens, like David Ross, no matter what happens, they will always have being the first team in 100 years to win the World Series for the Chicago Cubs. That's my transition right there, well which done. is true. You got yourself out of the hole. I'm very impressed. That's why you're the pro. That's why that's you're the pros, bro. That's why you're the host of Fantasy Sports Today, and I am just your humble co-host here. The 2004 Red Sox, the 2016 Cubs, no matter what happens with these guys the rest of their lives, they'll always be able to say they were the they were on the team that broke a curse of 100 yeah. years not winning World Series. It's really true. And and Absolutely. and both teams are looked at it that way. When they have those reunions, they'll all come back. And and Zobrist will be remembered uh, as, a, as a really good member of the Cubs, although, of course, he came up with the Rays. It was a really good player. Really good too. years with the Rays, too. Very good. Yeah. Very yeah. useful player. Played a lot of positions. Very useful on a roster, that's for sure. Yeah, still could probably play. All right, we'll uh, take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll take a review back in time to a season in baseball like last year, 2019, where the ball was juiced. We'll hit on that next up way. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as teams start to open up their facilities and potentially get ready for a 2020 season. That list now includes the Houston Astros. Yesterday, they announced that they uh, opened their facilities for individual player workouts in West Palm Beach and in Houston. So interestingly enough, I guess the players who stayed back in Palm Beach were still trying to determine uh, which teams are going to have their spring trainings uh, at their stadiums versus having it at spring training stadiums. And I think there are a lot more issues and then even before we get to that, hopefully those will get resolved this week. All right, so before we get to this week, let's go back to 1987. When I hear 87, Joe, I think about the uh, the juice ball. That's the first thing that comes to my head. Everybody hit home runs in 1987 in a way that we had never seen before. Wade Boggs, if I'm not mistaken, hit 25 home runs, 26 home runs. It was just a year where... Uh, everybody was hitting bombs that year. And at the end of the year, they did basically concede that it was a juice ball. You also had a rookie breaking the uh, all-time home run record that season as well. You sure did. And that rookie was Mark McGuire. So juice balls or not, let us not forget that Mark McGuire hit 49 home runs as a rookie. Once again, I'll keep hitting it on a million times. Mark McGuire was a hell of a player. Yes, Mark McGuire obviously was working out a ton and taking a lot of special vitamins, but let's not forget the work. Let's not forget the talent and how good Mark McGuire was. And I can't wait for that, uh, that 1998 documentary. Cause I think yeah, that's going to be fun. Be, I, yeah. I really do. Cause that was, that was such a magical moment. I like besides the Cubs that you just pointed out in the last segment and besides the Red Sox, there's not a whole lot of other times in baseball in the last 25 years that I can think of where the entire country was kind of captivated by baseball. And I think in those moments they were that Red Sox, series against the Yankees, then subsequently winning the Cubs, the whole thing, those curses ending were just huge for those communities and those cities. But also that home run race was so special. And, you know, people forget McGuire had 49 as a rookie. He wasn't the only guy with 49 as a rookie either because Andre Dawson hit 49 as well. Two guys just missing 50, but both just right at that precipice of 49. Uh, let's also not forget one of the all-time greats as well uh, coming into the league. Because in this year, Ken Griffey Jr. was drafted with the number one overall pick by the Seattle Mariners, who earned that number one overall pick. That is for sure. They have not been a good team in the 80s. 
And then clearly that was the beginning of the Mariners becoming relevant and staying in Seattle because of Ken Griffey and that team starting to win. They acquire Jay Buhner. Uh, they have guys like Edgar Martinez come through and Ken Griffey Jr., kind of that cornerstone guy as they build through those teams. Of course, getting Randy Johnson from the Expos didn't hurt either. Um, most valuable player that year was Andre Dawson of the Cubs for the National League, obviously. He's also one of the few guys who ever went on a last place team. And I know we're going to get into that discussion soon, but that's not something you see every day. George Bell, American League MVP, and this was also that year where the Toronto Blue Jays were fighting tooth and nail to the very last uh, last of that season, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, with the Detroit Tigers, right? Yeah, and uh, and Dawson, as a matter of fact, was coming off uh, his years with Montreal. And, right. and as the story goes, that he essentially went to the Cubs and said, you know, write me a check for whatever you want, and I'll uh, and I'll earn my money after the season. And he did, and he ended up getting uh, a multi-year deal with the Cubs after that. But yeah, to win the MVP on a last place team certainly impressive. And and I think that uh, look, George Bell shouldn't be forgotten as a great player in the '80s, without a doubt. This guy was 30 home runs, 100 RBIs every year with Toronto, uh, but gets forgotten a lot. And anytime somebody wins the MVP, they you know clearly deserve to have their name mentioned. And Bell could have been a multiple MVP with the Blue Jays. Um, and then, and then, you know, to me, again, McGuire in this season was, was magical because he sort of came out of nowhere a little bit. He wasn't really, I mean, he was on team USA. Everyone yeah, was on team that. USA. Yep. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> remembers that, but he just burst on the scene. Like, like nobody since essentially Pete Alonso last year, mm-hmm. Pete Alonso broke his record. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that about well, judge and then Pete Alonso. So successive years, we've had rookies break that home run record, which is incredible that it's over 50 now. It's absolutely nuts. But, you know, when you're talking about Andre Dawson, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this right around the time of that owner collusion scandal for the free agents as well? Yes. yes. So that was why Dawson had to do what he did, right? Trying yes. to be a good student of the game and so. jog yes. my old man memory here. But that was the reason why he had to kind of take that one deal. I mean, who wouldn't be pushing over the other GMs to try to get Andre Dawson on their team? But nobody was. Kind of weird. I think the Cubs was like the only offer. And he said, I just I want to get out because Montreal's not going to pay me. Uh, the batting titles that year was Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn hit 370. Could you imagine somebody hitting 370 this year? No, oh, sure. my God. Even in a half a season, nobody's going to hit 370. Wade Boggs, 363. That was pretty incredible. Uh, on the pitching side, it was Roger Clemens winning the Cy Young there in the American League. This is vintage Roger Clemens. So you had Clemens and Boggs just carrying those Red Sox teams. And Steve Bedrosian, a reliever, winning for the Phillies. Also something you don't see every day. And in the 80s, you would have this once in a while where a reliever would win the Cy Young. Obviously, they threw a lot more innings than they used to, uh, than they do. Uh, sorry, they threw more innings back then than they do now. So, Steve Bedrosian, any memories of him in this run in 87? I mean, I remember the player and I remember him being very good for a few years, but I don't think that his success uh, was matched after 87. I think he may have gotten a, a decent contract from this, but I don't think that he was ever as good as he was this year. Yeah, you also had enormous stolen base numbers. You had Harold Reynolds with 60 leading the American League, but it was about Vince Coleman with 109. That's not a team total, ladies and gentlemen. That is an individual Vince Coleman number here. It's also Rick Sutcliffe winning 18 games, Nolan Ryan striking out 270, while Mark Langston struck out 262 in the American League. So uh, just, again, you see some of these numbers, like 109 stolen bases. You're looking at these league leaders here. 109, I remember Vince Coleman wrecking games. I mean, we remember Henderson, remember Tim Raines, but Vince Coleman, not quite, I would say, the complete hitter that the other two were, and that's why he kind of, I don't want to say gets lost in the shuffle, but maybe not remembered by as fondly. Also, he had some issues at times with the media. Is that a good way to put it? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if it was with the media so much. I saw I saw Vince um, in, uh, in was it, uh, the winter meetings, and I keep in touch with him. We talk a lot. He's uh, living in California now. He's been a coach for a lot of different teams. He was a coach with the Giants last year. And ironically, one of his best friends is Michael Jordan. Mm, there you go. Yeah, he plays golf all the time with Michael Jordan. So, um, I, I mean, I, 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 I could be more specific was... and say the New York media with the whole incident with the water gun and the bleach and I the whole that thing. Is, I think that is accurate. And I think yeah. that really hurt his uh, her persona. But sure. I have a really good – this is a hard one for me because I have a really good relationship with Well, him. I'll put you in a corner. Rookies of the year that year were Mark McGuire and Benito Santiago, 
who I don't know, man, maybe it was just because I was young, but I don't ever remember somebody throwing out guys from their knees. To me, Benito Santiago was the first guy from my baseball life that I ever saw do that. Did you ever see anybody do that besides Benito or first before him? No, and if I would have guessed when he started, he would have been a Hall of Famer. I would have absolutely guessed that. He was not only Rookie of the Year, but remember he had a 30-game hitting streak also that carried into, I think, a second year. Uh, Great hitter. uh, Ended up going to the Marlins in 1993 with their inaugural team. I thought he was a bona fide Hall of Famer. He was the best defensive catcher that I saw. I I really don't even know what happened. But I I know he's spent a lot of money. I know he likes to spend money. But... Beyond that, I, I'm really surprised that it, it didn't turn out better for him. I thought yeah. he was going to be a superstar. I, I agree, man. I remember having those those rookie cars of Benito Santiago, making investments in those and thinking, man, this guy's just as good as it gets. And one of the great arms of all time behind the plate. Absolutely, without a for doubt. Sure. Of course, we mentioned that great last game there between uh, the Detroit uh, Tigers and the Toronto Blue Jays. The Detroit Tigers ended up moving on, but losing to Minnesota. The St. Louis Cardinals won the East, but uh, went on to face the San Francisco Giants in the West. Now, the Cardinals won that series, but Jeffrey Leonard actually won MVP, something you don't see very often, a guy on the losing team because he had such a good series, but unfortunately, not good enough, which is another weird thing. Once again, you have Andre Dawson winning MVP on a last place team. You have Jeffrey Leonard winning the NLCS MVP award. And also not winning. It's kind of a weird thing. All of a sudden, 87, people started to change their mind of what valuable was, maybe. Yeah, uh, Leonard, everyone remembers the same thing. It's not if, if you know his name, he's known for one thing. It's that series. He was a good player for a long time. And running around the bases with the one flap down. One everybody flap down. Talks everybody talks about that to this day. So it's probably not. I'm not saying anything that nobody knows. What do you like better? Do you like the Encarnacion with the with the bird on the on the uh, on the arm, or you like the one flap down? Like, where, where do you where do you stand on that? Do you have a preference? Uh, I'm, I'm good with anything. Anything different is good. I'm good with different is good too. Right, let's lighten up here. Of course, the Minnesota Twins were the champions that year, uh, and uh, we all know what happened there. You have Kirby Puckett, Gary Gaetti, Tom Bernanski, and that whole crew. But really, Frank Viola was kind of you know that unsung guy in that series too. Uh, Frank Viola had a fantastic season, uh, also yeah. Finals MVP. And Frank Viola, another one of these top pitchers. It's funny because as a Mets fan growing up in the you know the great moments of the '80s, and then once you kind of got into the '90s and you crossed over, you started to get guys on your team like Vince Coleman. I'm like, oh, he used to be really good, and now he's not very good. And oh, look, Frank Viola, he was really good. Well, not so good anymore. My like, award winner. It seems like everybody went to the Mets to die in the early '90s, and it was uh, he's been a coach with the Mets for the last. Uh, I know he just recently left, I but think he did. Yeah, I was gonna say recently, just very recently. He used to host a radio guy. show uh, at Disney. A, a baseball show at Disney. There you go. There you go. But I mean, 87 I got little known facts on all these guys. I, well, that's between you and me. The little known facts are all over the place. That's for sure. Uh, but again, this was great moments here. The Minnesota twins first championship too, I believe. Right. That was the first in franchise history for them. Sounds right. Yeah. Cause I don't think Killebrew ever had one. Correct. Could be wrong, but I don't believe I, I know so. they played against the Dodgers in the, in the world series, but I think that the, the Dodgers won. Yeah, well, the Hall of Famers that year, too, Catfish Hunter and Billy Williams were both elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So uh, some big, big-time names there. Catfish Hunter, obviously, incredible years with the A's and then the Yankees. But uh, I happened to see that documentary, I think it was MLB Network, about the 70s A's, which that is a team that really does not get enough credit. I mean, that was an electrically talented team. So many big names, Raleigh Fingers and Reggie Jackson and Catfish Hunter and I think because they were on the West Coast, they just did not get the pub that they deserve. But, I mean, it's pretty hard to do what they did. And, I mean, they, they, I think they the had the big they, red machine their lunch. Let's not forget that. <laughs> I think at the time that they played, they got a lot of credit. I think people remember that about you know, I think they get lost in the big red machine 70s somehow. Like when people look Maybe back. So the, the other 70s. problem with them is that the owner was as, was fantastic, but as, as good as he was <laughs> great, was as bad as he was bad. Like he traded all of all the players. Uh, you know, he dismantled the whole team after winning a couple of World Series. Got to tie it all together today. There were so just... many different things about him. There was um, an interesting uh, YouTube video I was watching probably a few weeks ago. They used to have players on the team that were strictly pinch runners and nothing else, mm. like no position. They like he had a guy named Herb Washington in 1974 and 1975 that could not play the field uh, or hit. He was just an Olympic track guy, right. and he would come in the game and just to steal. In fact, 
his, and I have it, but I don't have it ready. But in 1975, <laughs> I don't have it ready. But in 1975, he has the only baseball card in history to have no position on it. And it just says <laughs> pinch runner. That's true. Awesome. And by the way, last thing, 87, Daryl Evans became the oldest man over the age of there it is. guy to hit 30 home runs. There you go. Full circle. Daryl Evans. Second. Happy birthday, Daryl. Happy birthday, D. We got, you. <laughs> we got you covered. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back, what do Mike Trout, Wayne Gretzky, and Barry Sanders have in common? We'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Craig and Joe back here with you. If you missed our previous segment, we do two hours every day here on SportsGrid. If you're watching on YouTube, then certainly you've probably watched to this point. But if you're watching us live, go on over to our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to our show on YouTube. We are SportsGrid. And if you set your notifications to on every day when the show gets popped over to YouTube, you'll get a notification that you can watch the show to your phone, your iPad, Android, however you watch the show. Uh, we talked about Andre Dawson in 1987, a bad Cubs team. He ends up winning the National League MVP. And look, the, these somewhat, Joe, are popularity contests. You do have to have a great year to win the MVP. I get that. But you also have to be kind of popular amongst your peers and amongst the <clears throat> writers and broadcasters in, uh, in Major League Baseball. And so to see this happen in all sports where a player is playing just for a brutal team and that player wins the MVP, you almost have to ask yourself, how can somebody be the most valuable player to a team that wasn't valuable at all during the season? Like, how much worse could they have been without that player? It's just more of a recognizing of an individual season. Uh, lately in the sports, it's been much harder to accomplish that. You almost have to be, uh, be on a good team to win that sort of award. But I think it's more of, of, of an individual player award than anything else. Uh, as, as it was in the past, but now it seems like they've gravitated to, they look at the player that's on a really good team, and then you have a chance of winning the award. Well, I think the NFL has kind of saved themselves because the way they have the MVP, which is, let's face it, the quarterback award. Oh, yeah, let's be honest, pretty much that's what it is. It is. And then you have the, and the offensive. Super Bowl MVP, too. You're right. And you have the offensive player of the year. And I think that's been their way around all this. So I think offensive player of the year has been getting more publicity in the last, I would say, five years of people kind of recognizing that and understanding it's like the non-quarterback award where a wide receiver or a tight end or a running back are going to get those awards. And that's, that's important. It's important that we see that because it is, you know, a team sport, the NFL, but with baseball, it's very difficult because you have a player who can, you know, like Andre Dawson at 49 home runs, be incredible for the Cubs and they're in dead last. How valuable does that make you? And I, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion. It's just my opinion if you can finish in last with somebody, you can finish in last without them. It does not really make them a valuable player. It makes them the best statistical player of the year. And sometimes, statistically speaking, when there's only one guy in a lineup, yeah, you just throw the ball, let him hit it. I'd rather let Andre Dawson hit solo home runs off me than try to have, you know, three run innings and you know pitch to the guys ahead of him. So I think I think it's um it is a bit of the eye of the beholder. But on top of that, I do think that you're right. There's been a more of a turn towards let's make sure we're recognizing value in terms of wins and equating that. But then there's a guy like Mike Trout, who's got three MVPs already in his career yeah. and he's got one playoff game for each one of those wins. So three career playoff games for Mike Trout, three career MVPs so far. And it's kind of a bummer because Mike Trout hasn't played on a whole lot of great angels teams. And there he is winning MVP after MVP. And yes, it's very difficult to deny him, but at the same time, what is value? And I know this is sort of a theoretical standpoint, but for you, do you think the same way where, you know, it really does have to be on a team that is going to a playoff, right? I mean, does that have to be part of the criteria for you? Let's say, I mean, you're in the media, you're not far away from this sort of a thing where you're putting these votes in. Do you feel that way that that's something you would take into your psyche when you're making these decisions? I think, I think I would keep it open-ended because I think in most situations you would feel that a player has to be on some sort of a competitive team to show his worth mm -hmm. that he got to that point. But I would say that there could be a season where a, a player 
ends up playing on a bad team again and ends up winning it. Um, you know, a good you know kind of example of that is in baseball. You have a pitcher winning the Cy Young, and he doesn't win any games. It's just for his individual performance, and it's kind of irrelevant to uh, you know to how the team does. It's just who had the best year. So I would think that moving forward, if you had to ask me, the next ten MVPs. Seven or eight will probably be on really good teams. And then, you know, Mike, Mike Trout's kind of the exception to the rule with everything in baseball, to be honest with it's you. That's fair. So. That's fair. Uh, his oh, his numbers just go so far above everybody else's every year. And well, when, when you look at the hard, major how sports. How do you argue against it? You look at the major sports. NFL has one MVP. You know, hockey, NBA, one MVP. Why does baseball, now that there's been interleague play all these years, why is there still a National League and an American League MVP? Or Cy Young, like, why isn't there just one? Why isn't there one MVP? Why two now still yeah, in these leagues? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's kind they of could, they could, certainly could now if they wanted to. It seems like now would be the time to kind of pivot off that almost. I mean, make it more special. Make it more coveted of an award because, you know, I mean, I understand back in the day when the National League and American League didn't see each other until the All-Star game and then the World Series, that's different. But, I mean, that is not the case anymore. These teams are all cross-mingling and playing each other. So I can understand well, you can only judge this player against the league he's playing against, but that is not the case anymore. So I don't well, see they, how you can... They, they could. I mean, I, I mean, I don't... I, I. It's rare that you would see a league take awards away and have less awards than more. Well, the only plus of that, too, is it makes it harder to get that bonus for winning MVP, right? Because more of a coveted yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, again, a union thing. They're going to have to vote on that, yeah. too. Probably never going to happen. Things no. that are never going to happen. But I, I never thought about it until just now. <laughs> Why do we still have just American and National League? Well, this, one year, I, this year, if they play a season, it would be a good. It would probably be a fair thing to just do a, a universal this year. But again, there's money involved, Joe. So you know, well, you he's not. You know, Trout's not the only guy. Andre Dawson's not the only guy. I remember Alex Rodriguez had some incredible years in Texas, Texas for some yeah. awful teams. That was the last real prevalent one for me in baseball. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, when he first got to the o Oilers early on, 80-81. Clearly best player in the league, but clearly Oilers were still starting to make that run and put those teams together. And right. then, of course, you have Barry Sanders, who, you know, you have the 97 Lions, which we just talked about. Those games against Tampa in 97, how good Barry Sanders was and where is he? He is, you know, kind of forgotten in the mix. Why? Because the Lions were so bad. So I guess, you know, these things in the grand scheme, I don't know how much they matter, but it is an intriguing discussion of whether or not wins matter. Because if you're taking the concept of value, I take it serious in the sense, yeah, like you have to be valuable enough that your team has to win. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what sports is about? You have to equate it to winning. It's not the only criteria, but I definitely think it has to be a big part of it. I understand what you're saying. You have to take each situation individually and see how seasons are evolving. And that is absolutely fair. It's very, it's a very uh, astute bipartisan recommendation by you. But I think at the same time, you have to keep wins in the back of your mind because eventually that's what sports at the end of the day, you boil things down to. That's what it's well, about. And you're finishing in, in last. The, how in the defense of baseball, the way that they're probably looking at it a lot more now than they did in the past is the player that is a hitter that has the highest war means the most to his team, regardless of how the team is performing. So if at the end of the season, Mike Trout's war is 6.5 and the next player is 4.7, that means Mike Trout is adding essentially six wins to your team above the average player in baseball. And and that's a big number if, if that is the case. So we'll have to see how that works over the next few years. But I know that war is, is looked at not just with MVPs and baseball and everything like that, but every agent that I talk to when they have a free agent out there, the first thing they bring up is war, man. It's the yeah, first oh, I can understand. Uh, and again, this is not just baseball here or football. We can go to other sports, the NHL, Ron Hextall in 1987. Uh, with the Flyers, uh, Sebastian uh, Jaguar, obviously with the Ducks too in 2003. I thought Jerry the Ducks West. won with him. With the uh, they did, but not in 03. I think that was the whole point of like teams that didn't win. Uh, and then you know you go back in the history of baseball. It's not the only one. 1991, Cal Ripken. Uh, that team won only 67 games, and there he is winning MVP. He had a Rod in 2003, which we talked about. That team won just 71. And of course, Ernie Banks always tough because Ernie Banks had all world numbers. 58 and 59, but both times those teams both finished under 500. So that's that's just difficult. I mean, it's the better other, than the last other thing, too, <laughs> is, is, is when you go back and you look at things that didn't happen in the last 10 years. And I, and I guess I'm speaking more to baseball is that 
all of the awards were strictly popularity contests. So mm -hmm. it, it, I don't think that it was a true indication as to the value of a player. I mean, Cal Ripken was the most liked player in the game. So if they win 60 games, it doesn't matter. Ernie Banks, who was a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, Hall of Famer, was so well-liked. Absolutely. Um, Ted Williams won the Triple Crown and was not the MVP of the league. <laughs> because a writer, he had a, a beef with a writer, and the writer didn't put him in the top ten. And, and and that's the thing to me where I lose my mind. It's like the guy, the one guy. You right? can't get away with that now. I don't think you can well, get away with that. Well, look at what somebody just got away with last year for, for Derek Jeter. One guy that's didn't vote the hall, for That's the Hall of Fame. But the but writers the writer who are currently decision. involved in the game right now, it's a mm -hmm. lot harder for them to get away with it than it is a Hall of Fame vote. A little bit different. I, I understand because I know some of the older guard is still in the Hall of Fame voting. I get that. But it's just it, – it's mind-blowing to me how – as a writer, I can understand. You know, look, gear in broadcasting, I've, God knows, we all come in contact with people we don't like at certain times. But at a certain point, you have to put that aside, don't you? Don't you have to put that aside and say, Ted Williams just won the Triple Crown. He's the MVP of the league. <laughs> what more can a man do but win the Triple Crown? It's not the easiest thing yeah, to do. Yeah, he had a big argument with a writer during the year, and the writer left him off. And and that is absurd. And, and, and you know what? And I think... I think that's where you have to have review boards and things like that in place for these writers. And right, but that won't happen. I, I don't. I don't. See it won't that happen now. It, it's you're that. right. I don't think it happens now. And I think as we get people like friends of ours, like Steve Gardner, this is the first year, uh, this past year with their Jeter vote that he had a vote for the Hall of Fame. When we have more people like that, and a lot of people who also, you know, we living in an age too yeah, where people again, are seeing cost Jeter anything being unanimous. It like, didn't, but I mean, it didn't cost him except. It's almost better if you're more than one shy. You know, they have that one guy, like, trying to make a statement. Like, what, what's the point of that? I don't understand. Like, what's the thing that you see in Derek Jeter's stats or his career that you say, well, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. What, he didn't win enough? <laughs> like, he didn't, he no, didn't have but, enough No, but hits. it's costing somebody if they have beef and they don't get in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's going to, like, Kurt Schilling, as an example, mm -hmm. is, is being cost his Hall of Fame uh, induction because I am quite sure that there are people who don't have the same political views as his. And so therefore he's, the he's waited. And I don't like that. And I can't True. stand those political views, but if I have a vote for the hall of fame, it's very difficult for me to keep Kurt Schilling out. And I, I but agree Kurt Schilling you, but... is not the slam dunk that Derek Jeter is. And nor is he the slam dunk that Roger not. Clemens or Barry Bonds is either. I think even without that, there was a discussion probably after the mid two thousands of Kurt Schilling, a hall of famer. And I think there was a debate. There was a legitimate oh, debate. Yeah, and when course. a player is a 50-50 yeah. coin flip guy, and then all of a sudden you add in these extras, it's not good. You know, the difference of these guys like Clemens and Bonds, and again, this is a whole different situation now with all these guys. It's it's all muddy waters, but at the end of the day, you look at MVP, and it's a fun little exercise to go back and look and kind of see the evolution of it, too. Of Maybe it's not a popularity contest anymore. Maybe things like war have taken that away and changed our thought process, and now we have a better tangible concept of what value truly is, especially in baseball. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, and I do think it's changed quite a bit. I think you have younger people who are willing to put some of those personal issues aside and vote for the right players. Hopefully they are. And the players are involved in this too. So don't, yeah. uh, don't mistake that. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our first hour of fantasy sports today. We'll be come back next. It's time to look at some NFL player props for 2020 how will Joe Burrow and Carson Wentz perform? We'll tell you next. Also, a couple of running backs in the discussion. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today here on Sports Grid in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.